When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey you, this is Marnie, and thanks for listening to the Ask Woman podcast. Hey, do me a favor. Take a quick moment to give us some feedback on our iTunes page. We'd really love to know what you think of us. And also, give us five stars, just because. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women Podcast, we have just me with Jordan Harbinger and no Kristen Carney here for the day. And Jordan and I dive into what it means to be persistent with women and how to cut yourself off from being too overly aggressive and creeping women out. We also uh, talk about when to divulge information and how much information to divulge on dates and a ton of other stuff. So keep listening. Welcome to the Ask Women podcast. Kristen is not here. She had to get out of here because she had to go be on the Corolla show. No, fancy. fancy. Well, so do you, aren't you? I go on Adam and Drew every month. That yes. is amazing. So you come down to Los Angeles. So this is Jordan Harbinger who I'm oh, talking yeah. to. That's me. Again, who is back with us for another episode. Kristen could not stick around to do a second episode with us. Um, but yeah, so you're on their show once a month and I'm yeah. sure you're on a million other shows all the time. That's why you're getting amazing downloads for your show. I hustle really hard to get on shows and spread the word. But yeah, I love doing the Adam and Drew show because... I don't know about you, but I grew up listening to those I'm guys. I'm Canadian, so I didn't. Oh, you didn't have Loveline in no. Canada? Oh, that's a bummer. But that's why when I was over here and I went on Loveline, everybody was yeah. like, oh my God, you're on Loveline. I'm like, I, I don't even know what that is. I didnn't know what it was. The only thing, Actually, the only reason that I knew what Loveline was right. was because I think it was in an episode of Dawson's Creek or Beverly Hills 90210 or something like that. Or both. Or both, probably. So I had seen who they were before, but I never knew about the man show or love line. That wasn't like my thing. The man show was something that you could probably have passed Missed. on. It was kind of like I feel like that was pretty big. Really immature. I, I remember watching it when I was thirteen and going, "This is for juvenile people." No, you didn't. Yeah, because it was like women jumping up and down on trampolines and a dude chugging beer, and it was Adam Carolla and Jimmy and Kimmel. As a thirteen-year-old, you weren't into that. No, isn't that weird? Very There's something wrong with me. I was a geek, like hardcore. Yeah. Well, actually, tell me more about being a geek because yeah. I I want to hear how being a geek can end up being awesome. Yeah. So back then, I realized, okay, maybe I'm not like a typical guy because if this is what the man show is, then, then you're not a man being yeah, like maybe I'm not cut out to be like a manly man. But I also knew plenty of other guys who were not like that, right? Because I was in scouts and I did a lot of stuff like that. And I remember thinking like, well, my scoutmaster is a federal marshal and carries a gun, and he's not like this, right? So I had different role models that were not just bros. So I get that what Corolla and Jimmy Kimmel were doing back then was kind of like this, it was almost like a satire of bro culture, but I think a lot of other guys that were my age that watched it were like, this is what men, this is what men do. Did it make you insecure? Or did it make you question your manhood? Um, not necessarily questioning my manhood, but it definitely made me think, okay, I'm not like a mainstream guy because I don't care about sports at all. Don't watch professional sports. Don't care about man show stuff. Don't care about... Maxim magazine, or if that was even around, I'm sure we had something, right? You know, but I was just like, eh, nah. Did that know. hurt you with women? Do you think? Did you think that that 
not being that was going to hurt you with women? Because I know um, that you know your your past is that you were a part of Art of Charm, and yeah. so obviously there was some sort yeah, of concern I, there for you to yeah. start learning to about start this exploring stuff. all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I think it was because I realized that I had been I had been sab- self sabotaging opportunities with women for a long time when I was younger because I just I, I there are very distinct events that I remember. For example, in high school, I remember thinking. Women don't really like me that much. I was, but I was friends with like a bunch of girls, and they were all like, "Why are Why are you single?" And I was like, uh, "I don't know," because I was shy, and I chalked it up to that a little bit. But then, and I remember this so clearly. I was in the math room, uh, or the math the room where I had math, right? And there was, you know, there was like a board I on the that back was like that was a all slang term for the bathroom. Yeah, no, the math room. It was a math classroom, and there was a board up that was like made out of construction paper, and they would put announcements on. It, it was a cork board with paper on it. And somebody, some people would like write little notes on there because if you looked close enough, you could see it, but the teacher would never notice. Yeah. So I remember going back there and there was like a list and it was like top 10 hottest guys at high school, at the school. And there was a list and it was 10 people. And then somebody had put 11 Jordan Harbinger and then another person had circled that and then drew a line and put it right up in between number one and number two. Ooh. And that list was all of these like athletic, cool guys. There was like an artsy guy in there that everyone liked. And then my name would have been added to the end. And then someone else with a different colored pen had circled it and moved it all the way towards the top. And I went, wait a minute. I wonder who wrote this. So I started asking female friends of mine if they knew anything about this because I'm like, I got to investigate who thinks I'm yeah, cute because this is like important. It was on and the math board. That's serious. It was, it was serious business. Yeah. And so my friend Marie, who was in pottery class with all of like the hot girls, she, she investigated and she goes, well, it, I don't really know who did it, but I do know that in pottery class, so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, they were all, they were always talking about how hot you are. And I was like, get, get out of here because these are like the... The creme girls. De la creme. That, these are the girls that nobody was getting. They were ridiculously. Oh, so what, what business fine. do you have starting a business about meeting girls? You were yeah, fine. I was, but here's the thing. I was fine, but I didn't date any of them. I remember at the end of high school when we had graduated, I went to Canada, speaking of Canada, mm-hmm. and I went with my friend and we met some other people from my high school there just totally by chance at a bar. We're having some drinks because I had a fake ID that said I was 19, even though I was like 17 years right. old, because you couldn't get a 21. Because clearly you were not 21, yeah. but you could be 19. I had a 23 year old ID when I was 17. Nice. And 20, I still got in. Good call picking a random number. Though. I know. Because everyone picks 21, and then it's like, no, you're not. No, it's 19 in Canada, so you're allowed. Yeah, yeah. I know, but usually people did 19 or 20, and I didn't have an option. I had my friend's sister. Gotcha. Her ID, and she was 23. I thought you made a fake ID. I 12. Yeah. Yeah, but you, then they're like, "Okay, you must be." Yeah, that you, age. you probably still get carded, and you have like oh, two kids. I wish. Um, <laughs> so I remember hearing this story from again. It was like my friend Marie and some other people, and they're like, "Yeah, why didn't you have a girlfriend that much?" I mean, you did have a couple here and there, and I was like, "Well, I dated girls from other schools because I worked at this movie theater and all that." But she's like, "Yeah, but all the girls liked you," and I went, "Well, like who?" And she would rattle off people, and I remember my two buddies went, "Oh man, one, I'm jealous, and two, Oh, aren't you kicking yourself right now that you didn't take advantage of this? You could have hooked up with those girls. And I just went, yeah. And clearly I have not forgotten about this. Like I'm 38 (laughs) years old right now. This is 20 years and change later. Right. And I'm thinking, man, I could have hooked up with Lauren Gray. who's probably like older now and has three kids. But I'm like, that would have been legendary. And she's like, yeah, I I thought you just didn't like girls that were 
shallow. And I'm like, no, of course I did. I'm a dude. <laughs> yeah. I don't care if they And then like girls jumping up and down, but shallow girls. Yeah, no. All four. Those girls on TV on the man show, they were on trampolines. I was never going to have access to them. These right. girls, I could reach out and touch them. I was just scared. And they to. wanted me to. And they wanted me to. And then there I was, unable to do anything about it. Interesting. Because so I had why? no plan. I had no plan. And I was like, oh, well, that's, you know, nice people, like, don't do that. Or what if I do that and I get rejected? It's, everyone's going to laugh at me or something like that. So I had all these insecurities and all these sort of um, tragic tales of things that might happen in my, and that were in my head that, of course, never happened because I never took any risk. Right. So if I had to do it all over again, I probably would have gone for it in different ways because I remember distinctly in middle school being more outgoing and trying things and getting rejected a bunch and then either feeling really awful about it but then later trying things and getting rejected and not caring at all. So I had to go through that phase uh, in high school, but I went through it super late. And then I sort of went to college and all these insecurities came back again. And um, it was really- Well, because you're in a new space, obviously. I was in a new space. But I remember, I was actually an exchange student when I went to Germany my senior year of high school. And I was immediately the only foreigner that a lot of these people had ever met. This is, I went to high school in East Germany for my senior year. And so the East Germany, they had Russians. Everyone hated them because they were like the Soviets who screwed up the country. Right. They had Vietnamese people because it was a socialist country and they were not popular because they were a different sort of like, it was a little bit like racist back then, but also they came over and ran businesses that were just not desirable and they were kind of like working class Vietnamese people. And then there were Cubans and they had a bad rep. They just had a bad rep. They were like, they, they just were not looked so you were the best up of to. the worst. But I was American. So I was like the only American that they had ever met. So that was interesting. I was like outgoing enough because I decided to reinvent myself. And I was learning German, but I had a heavy accent. And so people were like, that's so cool. So I started to learn German and I started to go around to all the schools in Germany, in my area of Germany and give talks in English about what it's like to be an exchange student. And so everyone who was my age that was in school in my entire city knew who I was. That's crazy. So I was like a celebrity. It, so I could go to any bar, party, anything that was for high schoolers and immediately girls would be like, hey. You're that guy you're that, that gave guy. a speech at my school. Exactly. You're the American guy. And that, so, and that happened a lot. So I was a freaking pimp in, in that year. Yeah. My, and did that confidence last? No. To come back? Oh, no. <laughs> as soon as I came back and I went to college, I was ready to be the coolest guy at the University of Michigan. And that was completely not what happened. One, University of Michigan was way too big. You could be, the, unless you were the star quarterback of the right. University of Michigan football team, nobody cared. There was just too much, there were too many other people at that school. And instead of taking that bit of confidence and going, well, those people liked me and I can totally be this, I just went, oh my God, I'm nobody again. This is terrible. I should just sit in my room all day and study. And so I did a lot of that. And I had great looking women that I dated and I had long-term girlfriends that made all my friends jealous and stuff. But it was like, they kind of chose me. I didn't really go, that's a cute girl. I want to date that person. It was just kind of like, that girl would decide that I was cute and then say something to my friend and I would maybe get the guts to go have a couple of drinks and talk with her or something like that. And then I would end up with a girlfriend for like two years. That's That was my early life. And it took me years to realize... And then finally moved to New York and started The Art of Charm, which I no longer run. Um, now do the Jordan Harbinger show. But back then I was doing The Art of Charm and it took me a long time. I went to New York and then I was like, oh, I have a system now, right? So that system was really useful for me. And I remember punching way above my weight in New York. I mean, I'd go to a party 
and I worked on Sirius XM satellite radios in addition to be an attorney. So I had like status of lawyer, also showbiz parties. So I'd go to the, like the Maxim radio party and there'd be these Maxim models there and they'd be like, what do you do? And I'd be like, oh, I host a show on the radio, but really by day I'm a finance lawyer. And they were like, oh, here's my phone number. Call me. And my friends would be like, that's a fake phone number for sure. And I'd call this model and be like, hey, um, we should go do brunch. And they'd be like, great, I'll be over there in an hour. And I just thought, like, what's happening? And a lot of that was social status, but the rest of it was confidence that came as a result of that status. Do you think that somebody could pull off those same results without having that social status? Yeah, the social status didn't matter at all. When I recount the story, it sounds like they were impressed by my job, but really I had been talking with them before that and just being normal and making them laugh. But when I retell the story, it's simpler for me to recount it as, look, I had this great job and I had money, so they liked that. But most of these women had no idea that I did that before. Interesting. They didn't know. So now that you don't work for Art of Charm, now you can reveal all of their goodies. Oh, yeah, What was the system? Well, really what it came down to was nonverbal communication. And this is some of the same things that I teach on the Jordan Harbinger show. Really, I mean, I teach a lot of like confident persuasion, nonverbal communication, networking, and relationship development. And really what it did it for me back then was I knew everyone. So I would be able to help people get jobs, or I'd be able to help people get into places, and I had tons of connections, and I made those deliberately. You know, I would go and, and I'd go to a bar, and if it was a slow night or whatever, or if I got bored or if it was too hot in there or whatever, I'd go outside and I'd talk to the doorman. And everybody out there was smoking. I didn't smoke, so I'd talk to the doorman. And then when I came on a crazy, crazy night, I'd go, go, hey, Casey, what's going on, man? He'd go, hey, what's up, my man? Come on in. No line, nothing, because I'd spent 20 minutes or 45 but talking how, with him before. how do you avoid being the annoying person who's talking to the doorman outside, knowingly trying mm. to become friends to with schmooze. him? To schmooze. To schmooze, yeah. to get that. Like, how do you avoid being that person? The best way to do this is to not have an agenda in mind. So I didn't go outside and go, hey, I need to talk to the doorman so I can get in on a busy night. I would go outside and talk to the doorman, and I would say things like, I would first of all, I'd just be chit-chatting. And if it was a slow night, they are bored to tears. Right. I used to work a door in Detroit, and it was so boring. So if somebody was talking with you, yeah, you would you liked it. love it. Yeah, so I would chit-chat. I would talk with them. Um, if I had anything funny, like a story or a joke, I would tell them. They would tell me funny stuff that was happening. Because doormen are supposed to be tough. But if there's nobody around, they can just chit-chat. Oh, my God. I worked at a lot of bars. Doormen were the sweetest, softest always. people. <laughs> always. They yeah. would always walk me to my car. Yeah. And I would drive them home sometimes. Like, they'd just be like the nicest, kind of meek, some of them, as Yeah, well. they're, they're just big dudes. Yeah, they're big they're guys. They're getting paid to be big. They're yeah. not like, you know, they're not assassins. Yeah. These are just dudes who are big. And often they have to be friendly or they'll be really lonely. Right. Because they're big and scary. So there's a lot, there was a lot of chit-chat and things like that. And sometimes I would remember, I was just a thoughtful person in a way. So I remember I'd be like, all right, I'm getting cold. I'm going to go back in. And I go, hey, do you want anything like water or Red Bull or something? Because it's 1 a.m. in New York. And they're like, I have four more hours here before I can leave. Right. And they'd go, yeah. And I'd go in the bar and I'd go, hey, Casey wants a Red Bull. And they'd go, who are you? And I go, I was just outside talking with him. Or I'd know the bartender and they go, great, you want one too? I'd say, sure. So I'd get a Red Bull and I'd go out front and hand it to him. And they'd be like, this guy's really cool. And it was really easy. I mean, just 
the bar is really going to hook the door. just opening yourself up to other people. It was, and being with thoughtful. No, like, with no agenda. Yeah, I didn't think, okay, next time I come back, I'm going to get let in. And other times, they would say, well, what are you doing? Da, da, da. Or if we were having a big party for, for some reason, I would invite them. You know, if I had their contact info, I started to get in the habit of doing that. I would invite them. So I'd have a party at my place in New York or at a bar or something like that for some other reason, and there'd be like 17 door guys from hot businesses or clubs in, from other parts of New York. So then you show up at Marquee on Tuesday where it's really hot and you know the door guy because he just showed up at your freaking birthday. Right. Right? And What's the equivalent of that now? Because I know that you don't really go to clubs. Anymore. I don't. Yeah, I don't go to any of that. What I do now is everybody that I meet, I'm always thinking of how I can plug people into each other. So first rule is always give without the expectation of anything in return. So it's always be generous. There's like this, uh, this movie, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, where they're like, ABC, always be closing. And so I, what we say on the Jordan Harbinger show is, ABG, always be generous or always be giving. So give without the attachment of anything in return. None of that agenda stuff. If you help 100 people, 90 of them might never help you back. But it's those 10 that are like- Yeah, that's going to be huge. Worth their weight in gold. You know, Those are the people that give you a radio show, in my experience, or introduce you to your wife, that kind of thing. So always do that. And then always help all those- all those other people, but you can, you got to do it in a scalable way. So if you're a graphic designer or something, you're not going to like do free websites for everybody, right? but you might plug people into each other. So if I know somebody that is investing in Bitcoin or crypto, I might find a CPA who specializes and knows how to actually handle those taxes. And I'll say, Hey, I've got friends who are investors. And then that guy's grateful. I just got him a bunch of clients and these investors are grateful that I found somebody who's not going to cost them a ton of money in taxes. Right. So now they both kind of owe me one, mm-hmm. but I didn't have to do any work. All I had to do is take a minute and you think- You just connect people that you know because you think they're going to like each other exactly. and get something out of each other. Exactly. Need. Most people will never do that because yeah. they're just thinking, how do I get what I want? Right. That person can't help me. That person can't help me. So they ignore those people. I don't do that. I do you find think that's out built into you. No, I learned it manually. I really? did it on purpose. Yeah, I really? came up with these rules on purpose because I knew. Actually, here's how I discovered this. So when I lived in Germany, like I mentioned before, socialist countries are actually very. You really have to rely on connections, or you can't get anything done because the bureaucracy is just right. staggeringly brutal. So I remember needing a visa to live in Germany. And we showed up to this building and it was freaking just ridiculous how, it was ridiculous how crowded and how big of a line there was at this like office. And everyone was like Turkish or Moroccan and they were there to get this visa. And I knew that I was going to be there all day. And my host father walked up to, that was like the father of the family I was staying with. He walked up to the guy and went, look, I've got this American guy here and I don't know if this is the right line. And the guy was like, oh, um, yeah, it's the right line. And he goes, is there anything that I can do to speed this up? And he was like, well, if you fill out all the paperwork and you pay a fee, you can get ahead of this line and then you just have to come into my office. And I was like, oh, cool. And now I'm like, I'm pretty sure he just bribed that guy with like 20 bucks, Mm -hmm. but it was totally worth skipping the line Yeah, because I was American. He just stamped it, right? This isn't, I'm not a a refugee. And a lot of these people really were. So there wasn't any complicated paperwork. He was just like, well, I can make you wait in that line or you can buy my lunch and you can skip it. Right, you come to the front of the line. And I remember going, hey, did that just happen? He's like, yeah, actually when when I was in East, back when we were communists, because this was after the reunification. He's like, when this country was communist, he's like, you always had to do things like that. And so he told me a story about when he wanted to get his driver's license, he had his brother or something teach him how to drive. So he already knew how to drive. 
But in order to get your license, it took like two years. So what he did is he had his cousin in Canada, where, where you hail from, mm-hmm. send him a case of whiskey, Jack Daniels. So when it arrived, it was missing a couple of bottles because that's how the mail works in communist countries. Mm-hmm. They search it for contraband and that's they'll take crazy. a share of it. So he, he has 10 bottles out of this 12-bottle case of whiskey. And he goes to the driving school and he goes, I already know how to drive I'll prove it to you. And they're like, we don't care. You have to take the class. He's like, how about two bottles of whiskey and I show you that I can drive? And they went, great, get in the car, drove around the parking lot or whatever, gives him the whiskey, gets a little piece of paper that says this guy completed his driving course. He knows how to drive. Goes to the police station. That's an eight-month process, but goes... I already know how to drive. I have the slip of paper. I know there's bureaucracy here. I've got Jack Daniels. Do you want to give me a stamp? And they went, sure. So he takes those two pieces of paper and goes to the other office where you got to get the license. And he goes, all right, I know this takes like six months. Can you speed it up? Here's a couple of bottles of whiskey. And I believe he basically walked out the door with a driver's license. Interesting. So I went, wait a minute. That's how this, this works. Bribery is one thing, but he's like, you still have to know the people because you can... Otherwise, they can get in trouble. So he had been a musician at different bars, and he knew all the restaurateurs and the bar owners. So he'd get like a hookup with free food. He would get free beer. He'd play a a gig and then end up, instead of getting money because the bar owner couldn't afford it, they'd be like, "You, you can drink for free on any night that you come in. So he would always take women there and stuff, and like he'd eat for free, and he just got treated really well. And I, he was still doing that when I was, when I was there in 1998. He was still going to some place and they'd be like, oh, hey, Jorg, hey, oh, this is your American son, cool. And we get treated like royalty. And when I left, I went, I got to figure out how to do that in America. Not bribe or corrupt or whatever, but just figure out how he was so well-liked and knew everyone. And so I started paying attention to what he was doing, introducing people to each other, doing little favors for people here and there. And it was really like watching the mayor of a town just go to work, shaking hands with people. And everyone liked him, and he was genuinely a really good guy. And so I just took a page out of that. And that's how I run my networking stuff now. It's not fake. I'm not throwing business cards in people's faces. I'm helping other people all the time, every chance I get, and not thinking later I might need this. Honestly, I'm thinking, I hope I never really have to ask this person for anything because you're building social capital. You're building a reputation for yourself that shows, hey, this person's really nice and really giving. So when you do need something, you can ask. And it's not like, oh, this guy, I haven't heard from you in 10 years and now you're asking me. It's like, oh, this person who's helped me five times in the last five years, I'll, of course, I owe you one, man. Yeah. I'll do this for you. I think that's wonderful. See, I, I, for some reason, do that naturally. I think it's from watching my father do that. But it's funny, when, I, when, I, when my husband is trying to figure something out, mm-hmm. Like last week, he was trying to figure out how to get something for a production. And I spat out 10 people he could contact, 10 like different ways that he yeah. could do it. And I, I basically, I did the same thing that he was struggling with for about a week and a half. And I was able to get him those results in about 15 minutes just by asking people. Not, sure. not people that I had given favors to in the past, but people that... Same thing that you're saying. You pull them into your network in some way by just giving where you feel like we're close friends or we're we're helping each sure, other. Sure. We're in that world of help. I can ask you for help now when I need something. And then people do it very openly. They're happy to help you in some way sure. because in some way that also helps them. It does. It does. And honestly, there are people... This is the extreme that I go to with this. So I heard of somebody that wanted to file a lawsuit against an employer, a former employer. It's a contractor who got ripped off. And I went, hmm, who do I know who could do that? 
there was a guy who actually sued my old company, The Art of Charm, and won. And I went and called him. And he was like, uh, hey, because he was, you know, what do you want? You know, how did he do it? Like guy I took a million dollars from, right? So I was like, hey, uh, so this is weird, but I, I want to refer someone to you. And he was like, uh, okay. And I went, no, 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 really. I mean, you you did a good work. Yes, I was the defendant, but you know, you did good work. And it wasn't me who was the defendant. It was the Art of Charm was the defendant. And um, so I was like, look, I don't have a problem. One, I'm gone. I don't work at the Art of Charm and I don't care if it implodes at this point. I don't care. But two, uh, I have somebody who can use your help. And he was just like, great. So I referred him. This is somebody that in theory, I should hate this guy, right? But it's just business. And so when I referred him, he was like, hey, look, if I can ever do anything for you, then great. So I know I can always call him and ask him for advice or an opinion. Well, because then also he knows you're a cool dude. Yeah, because it's, it's like he, he probably makes a lot of enemies suing people. And I just kind of went, look, doesn't you're have to- You're good at what you do. Yeah, it doesn't have to be that way. doesn't have to be that Which way. Which I think is awesome. Okay, I want to get to some questions Let's from some it. listeners. But I think that's a great story. And um, I, lo- I think I've heard it a couple of times before. But I lo- I'm like for people who weren't listening, I like yeah. hearing how you got to be who you are today. Because you are very successful. You have had created a very big business in mm-hmm. helping men learn how to attract, date, be with girls, get everything they want with girls. I think that was very helpful for a lot of people. But anyway, let's get to our questions from listeners. Okay, so this is a continuation of one of the qu- questions that we had from last time on the show from Son. This was his question number two. This was the guy who had asked about uh, him having a crater face. Yes. Do you remember? Okay. So this is the second oh, part remember. of it. Yes, yes, you remember. This is the second part of his question. Is the duration of sex more important for girls or is foreplay more important? During sex, I can't seem to hold ejaculation for a long time and would like to know if I need to get some treatment depending on how important it is for girls. After how long After how long into sex do most girls feel satisfied? And what's your take on the age-old question, does penis size matter? Thanks, son. Damn. This is- you This know, is more for me to answer, but I want to hear what your take is. Yeah. You know what, though? This- this is this is what happens when people do not discuss sexuality in their society because he had an arranged marriage before. Yeah. So nobody ever really told him any of this stuff and, and he never probably like messed around with girls in high school and college. So he never really learned like all of the little things that, because these are insecurities that I hear from high school kids in America. Oh, these are insecurities that I hear from men of all different ages. Yeah, ab- well, absolutely. Yeah. But these are insecurities that I had in, in I should say I had in high school, maybe yeah. in college because- you just don't know. And then you get experienced and you're like, okay, so every the, by definition, most of us have an average size penis because that's what average means. Right. And then you're like, well, okay, some people have premature ejaculation, other people don't. And so, but really the guys that like crush it and have rumors swirling about them are the guys that are killing it with the foreplay or like are really good at going down or something like that. Yeah. Those are the guys. Foreplay is more important to me. Always. The act of sex, I don't need for longer than like five minutes max because then it dries out, it starts to hurt. And then I'm just like, okay, I'm finished now. Come on, you finished too. And then I get annoyed with it after a while. You're like flipping through the channels. Right, exactly. Not just with my husband, but I'm saying like with other guys that I was with as well. Right. Before you met your husband. Right. Exactly. Just to be clear. Yes, no during. That's how adventurous I am. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, it didn't, I like the foreplay way more. That was way, way more important to me and that's what got me more excited. So I wouldn't say that duration is, if you don't have 
long before you ejaculate, mm-hmm. that's not a huge turnoff to women. But if you're not having foreplay beforehand and you're ejaculating early, then right. it's just sort of like a missed opportunity. Yeah, you just got to make up for it on the front end. Yeah, which foreplay. means, so what can you do if you are a guy who does ejaculate faster than other people or in your opinion, fast. Yeah. How can you help? How can you help yourself? Yeah. I w- first of all, I would look up what you think is fast. Because if you're just watching porn and you think right. that that's normal, that is no, not, not normal. That first is- of all, they're, they're cutting their takes as well. Yeah. They're so- cutting their takes. They're... There's half of those guys have done like six scenes at once or the reason they're in that is because they have crazy control over yeah. this stuff or they're taking drugs and medication to, to hold it off on or they're on different illicit substances. Like these are unfortunate, really, truths. Yeah. And, and so they're sort of designed in a way to make you feel a little bit insecure. But so first of all, make sure that you're realistic about it. Like if you can, if you're going for like f- five to 10 minutes, like you're totally normal and totally yeah. fine. If you're going for like 30 seconds or like less than that, you might have an issue. One, you can train that away through practice. There's ways to do that. You can learn from the web and things yeah. like that. There's also stuff, you, there's sprays and stuff that you can use, although I don't know if you want to be dependent on spraying a lidocaine on your dick, which right. is a thing. Um, but really, what I would do is make up for it on the front end. I would learn how to go yeah. down like a champ or, or whatever. In fact, when I was in college, uh, internet was new. I know I sound old as hell doing that. Internet, well, the web was kind of new, consumer web. And I remember finding a tutorial about how to, it was like a how-to oral sex tutorial. And I went, oh, okay. And I remember I started dating a girl and I was like, hey, I want to try this stuff that I'm learning in this tutorial. She's like, all right, fine. And, you know, the first See, few again, times- giving. Yeah, there you go. Give without the expectation of anything in return. Although I was definitely trying to get something in return yes. for that. So I remember trying this and learning about this and trying and going back and forth and like sort of refining it. And she was like, wow, this is like really good. And you're in college. So really good is better than like her getting finger blasted right, on the exactly. playground by some dude from right. some, in football camp. Um, but I remember going through and learning that and just being like, I'm really good at this now. That gave me a ton of confidence. So any girl that I was dating or hooking up with, I would do that first. And then they were like, I don't even care if you don't, if you, you could have a two centimeter long dick at that point. She's already had a crazy orgasms. Right. So she was just like, and you're the best ever. Then I didn't even have to worry about any other kind of performance. Yeah, or and then you, and then you can go inside of her and finish in yep. thirty seconds if you want to. Plus, you answer the question about does size matter, and I actually think that it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I'd, if you happen yeah. to have other little tricks up your sleeve that you can do that can get her off in some way, it doesn't really matter. I yeah. will say that for a lot of women, I have heard that. A, a good-looking penis is really important, and they have made comments good-looking on penis. Yeah. Huh. Like my friend Kelsey always talks about how beautiful somebody's penis was, Interesting and it was really and important weird. to her. And she said she has like stopped dating certain guys because of how their penis ugly looked. dick. But I do think as well because I've heard her talk about it. There's other things about those people. It wasn't just that penis. It's gotta be. I would hate to. And also, I want to be really clear that that's a very particular thing for her and maybe some other women because I don't want Sanj to go crap. Now I've got actually and an ugly lipstick dick. lipstick as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. No, yeah. you got to be careful because you don't want to give the guys more insecurities. Like, oh, crap, mine bends no, downward. But I want them now to, what? I want them to hear the absolute truth. I, I, yeah. It's more important how your penis works. And, what, yeah, and how your imagine. hands work, how your mouth works, how your body works, yeah. how everything works about you, then what actually that thing looks like, how yes. it bends, and how big it is. Yeah. That it's, yeah. Not, that's not as important. It's, it is funny, though, because I remember, I will never forget in high school... This guy, 
we were in football together, so we you know we showering, and I remember everyone made fun of him because he had a weird bend at his dick. And some people say that's actually really good. Yeah, well, for sex. I remember his girlfriend in high school also a big smile on her face laughing like that. about that and being and then us like making fun of her and making fun of him. He's a really nice guy. She was a nice girl, so it was just kind of good natured. They got married, and I saw them a couple of years ago, and I remember thinking, you know, I know like five things about you. You're nice people, you got married, and you have a crooked dick, and your wife likes it. Isn't that such a weird body of knowledge? Is that what you said to them? No. Oh, I thought you were like, I know five things about you. No, that would have just been creepy, because I'm sure they forgot about that. But it's just like- I'm sure they didn't. It's in front of them every single day. That's true. That's true. Maybe. They probably forgot that everyone knows about it Yeah, but she's like, I don't like it anymore. Yeah, she's like, I'm sick of this bend (laughs) in your dick. penis. And you're you're leaving your dirty dishes out in your bent dick. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That bent dick won't pick up my laundry. (laughs) All right. Hey, ladies and guests. A few weeks ago, I was riding in the car with a buddy, and he was playing y'all's podcast. Y'all were doing a question and answer podcast, question and answer podcast, and I thought it would be a good way to ask this question. By the way, y'all are really funny. So about a month or so ago, I went out with my best friend's fiance and her friends. He had gone out to sea as one does whilst in the Navy as we are. I met one of her friends and it was fun and we were really into each other. Is it still recording? Yeah, be careful. You're t- you got to talk in to the top. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. She laughed at everything I had to say, so I'm not really... Okay. There was a lot of flirting and the way she interacted with me was rather shy compared to how she was with her friends. That's a good sign. But she smiled and laughed at everything I had to say, so I'm not really worried about whether or not she is interested. I just don't know how to ask her out. I haven't seen her since, but she has asked me uh, uh, asked about me a few times. She manages a high-end retail store in a local mall that I don't really go to. Should I ask my friend for her number or just go to the store? Should I friend her on Facebook and message her? That seems creepy, but who knows? Thanks for the help. P.S. I know I should have asked that night, and typically I would, but I had to leave abruptly, and I just didn't have the chance. Okay, what do you yeah. Mean? So Luther. Definitely Luther should have asked that, but I'm glad he recognizes that. Yeah. He 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 probably had the chance and chickened out, which is totally cool and, and normal. And even yeah. let's assume he did that. Because didn't before have the you chance. have to go, you're like, just give me your number. You're like, hey, look, I, I, I gotta, gotta go. I gotta run, but before I lose track of you, throw your number in my phone. Yeah. That's how you do it. And yeah. if she's interested, she's like, Great. So I would say the Facebook thing is a little creepy. I if, don't know. If, if that's the only route that you have yeah. and she's into you, I'm Exactly. A girl is happy to receive a message if she's into a guy. I, 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 agree, I would agree. The problem is Facebook might filter the message and like yeah. you don't know if it gets to her. Asking your friend, you could, but it's a little bit high school. I would say, unless that mall is ridiculously inconvenient, go. just show up and go. Uh, the problem is if she's not the manager or something and her manager's there, it might be like, hey, don't have guys visiting you in the store. So, But if she likes him, if then she, it's okay. It might be all right. Yeah, it might just be like, hey, look, I don't want to get you in trouble, but I wanted to ask you out before. I would love to hang out and get to know you. I know you're at work. If you throw your number on my phone, I will not get you in trouble with your manager. Right. And, and then, I'll buy the shirt. Yeah, or maybe I'll try something on, right? right? And then she's going to be like, oh my God, okay, fine. And then handled. It's super confident move to go and ask for the number it's even it's even totally fine and say, look, I know I should ask you that night, but maybe I wimped out. That's cool. It's fine. Yeah, because you're or, owning it. Yeah, yeah, own it. I see. I don't have a problem with him going to his friend or to his friend's fiance yeah. and saying, "Can I have her number?" And yeah. then you text and you say, "Like, hey, it's uh, Luther from the other night." Like, I yeah. don't think the thing is it that if you're getting positive signs on the other, even if you're not getting positive signs on the other side, mm-hmm. I think it is totally fine to go after what you want in any yeah. way that I, you want to. I agree with that. The other thing he can do is he can say, 
look, if you're not comfortable giving me her number or if she's not comfortable, just give her, give her, mine. her mine and tell her to shoot me a text. Yeah. And then she'll probably go, nope, here's her number. She exactly. took Because she probably already said, hey, that guy, Luther, he's so, cute. he's so cute. Like, they're probably sitting there waiting and being like, what is taking your friend so long? Is he not interested in Julie? Like, what the hell? They were See, but the, talking. But, but talk more about that because that is the background conversation that is happening. If yeah. there is somebody on the opposite end, yeah. like a girl. Okay, if I've been out with friends for a night, this is a long time ago, but and I did like somebody that I knew was friends with somebody else, I would constantly ask about that person. Mm-hmm. So, like, if my girlfriend, if it was one of her boyfriend's or fiance's friends, I would say, oh, what's up with Jordan? Or yeah. like, oh, is he Jordan dating anybody? Yeah. And if I'm may not overtly say, Can is that you how you, ask, is that how you look when you ask to like, yeah, I'm like, what's up again? Yeah. Like, cause Play you're shy your about it. Yeah, you're trying to be discreet in some way or you're, you're trying to like sneak it in so that you're not being so obvious. But if, if that's what's happening on the True. other side, if that person is interested, they want to know what's going on. So that person is waiting for you to make a move, whether it be through Facebook, going to her store yeah. or asking your friend, she'll be very open to giving you her phone. She's number. probably not expecting you to go to the store. Cause it's, it's such a ballsy move to ask in person that she might be like, whoa, right? That It might be like a really confident move to do that. Yeah. It's but if something does turn her off or she wasn't into you, then it will be creepy for her. But, uh, true. But just know that that's only if she wasn't into yeah. you at that point. So either way, sound, you would have lost it. And it sounds like she's into you. Yeah. And look, honestly, if you show up and you ask for the number and she wasn't into you and she thinks that's creepy, then oh, well, you're still went for it. Yeah. I mean, as you long as you- walk around the mall, get yeah, something. As long as you don't keep going to like visit her and right. like after you get rejected, it's- it's totally fine to go for, like you said, go for what you want. And if you get a no, you're just like, all right, cool. Okay, now I know. Yeah, that overly persistent stuff, is it, that's when it gets creepy. Like if you show up every week when she's working at the store yeah. and you're calling to find well, out actually, what she's there. Actually, let me there, talk like, to you about for one second. Actually, we're going to take a break really quickly yeah. and then I want to talk to you about pursuing and what that actually Yeah, let's means. do it. Okay, I'll take a break. Want advice and step-by-step instructions on how to get the girl sent right into your mailbox every single day? Then sign up for your free Wing Girl Method newsletter at winggirlmethod.com slash advice. When you sign up, you'll also get a free copy of my best-selling book, 10 Devastating Mistakes Men Make with Women and How to Avoid Them. Go to winggirlmethod.com slash advice and sign up now. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out the Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of the Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. All right, we're back. And I want to talk to you about what it actually means to pursue a woman because mm. I know people get very confused by this. Yeah. When are they pursuing and when are they becoming a stalker? So if somebody is interested in you and giving you at least a little bit of like they're dropping the hanky a little bit, like they're flirting back, they're responding back in a flirty way, then- But they're would, not giving in completely. Right, then maybe there's a little bit of a chase. But if somebody is like, look, I'm not interested in you or they're ignoring you, that's a hard no. Yeah. That's a hard no. So it's actually quite simple. So a lot of guys are like, I'm getting mixed signals. It's like, well, are you really? No. Probably not. But she'll respond when I say something four days later with a ha-ha. That means she's- Yeah, exactly. That's a no. no. That's like her being a little bit polite and yeah. because you have mutual friends or something. But if somebody's like not answering your texts anymore or and you're showing up where they work and they're like- 
not comfortable with it, but they're at they work and can't leave. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They talk to you for two seconds and then you, they go in like fold clothing and they're not talking with you. Yeah. Then it's a hard no. And so guys need to be pretty unambiguous about this. There's so many women out there. I know you probably think like, oh, well, this one guy I know, he pursued his wife and like never, blah, blah, blah. that's unusual and also probably not an entirely true story. So you have to take these things with a grain of salt because yeah. a lot of people- You're only hearing the headlines at that Yeah, point. you're only hearing the headlines. So a lot of people go, oh, I pursued my wife and you know she said no to me four times. Yeah, but she said no because she was in another relationship, but she thought you were cute and you had tons of mutual friends. Yeah. And so and you you're- still flirt with each other when you would see each other. Exactly. So there was still something growing between the two of you. Ex- she wasn't outright ignoring you. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, yeah, she kept telling me not to talk to her anymore, but I didn't listen because I'm being so cute and pursuing. No, that's creepy. Right. So it always comes down to kind of like the abundance mindset type of thing. I don't mean that in a woo-woo way. I really what I mean by that is no, in a real way. If you yeah. go with some if you're going with somebody and they're like, "Oh, hey, no," or like, "Not really my type, but you know, you're you seem nice, so I don't want to be rude." That's a rejection that you should just take in stride and then move along. You don't have to per, I think a lot of guys pursue because they don't want to be rejected. So if somebody says says no, they don't necessarily like that person more. They just want to be like, "Oh, well, I they want to switch it around." I want to switch around the power dynamic, so I'm going to continue to pursue this person. That's actually not good. And that is an insecurity on behalf of the guy that he should look into and try to fix and attack. Because otherwise, you're going to get angry. If you get angry when people reject you, that's that's a problem. Yeah. We talk about that a lot. On Do you? Our show. Yeah. Well, because women are on the receiving end of that anger. And I have had yeah. so many people who come onto this show who talk about how fearful they are to give straight rejections or just clear answers of no because they've you know been punched in the face before some of them the guys or the guys have punched girls in the face that's what i thought you meant that's terrible yeah that's like the extreme of course but it's happened before to a lot of women my they've been told off they've been yelled at you they get it's very scary as a woman to say no that's why we try to do it so politely right and then we don't give you that much attention afterwards because we're subtly saying, leave me the fuck alone. Yeah. I'm not going to out outwardly say that because you might hurt me. You're going to follow me out to my fucking yeah, car. Please leave me alone. Please stop doing Jeez. this. Yeah, it's really scary. Yeah, that is scary. And I, mean, I think the thing is for a lot mm. of guys are like, that's not me, but you have to understand that that's She doesn't what, know that. She doesn't know that. Right. She doesn't know that and that's her experience in the past, so that's what she's prepared for. Right. And I, you, Yeah, I don't blame her for that because of course the guy that punched her in the face was probably like, she didn't see that coming either. Right. You know? <laughs> exactly. Or like the guy that followed her to her car from work that one time, yeah. she didn't, th- he seemed normal when they were interacting and at the, the slushy is, stand. And the is most likely those guys do think that what they're doing is appropriate. Yeah. Because their emotions are hurt, they're acting on their impulse, and they're not really thinking clearly about how it's impacting somebody else. They're yeah. thinking about what is right for them in that moment, but ultimately it's scaring that woman yeah. and then pushing her further away and putting up bigger boundaries for her for the next guy. Totally. And the other thing that's really confusing is like something that a guy that they're interested in does is not creepy, and if she's not interested, then it is, right? So like if I... I'm working with you at a movie theater, and this is a real thing that I did when I was a teenager, which totally, looking back 2020 hindsight, could have gone either way. This girl, Melanie, who was my girlfriend later, but not at the time, I remember my friends were like, oh, she likes you, and I was like, oh, great. So she went out to her car, and I remember like running out in the parking lot and going, hey, Melanie, we should do something sometime. 
what's your phone number? And she's like, great. I'm like, what are you doing this weekend? But she was alone with her in the parking lot with her car. But if she didn't like me and I just ran out and was like, hey, we should do something sometime, she might be like, um, okay, okay. Uh, I gotta go now and like quickly fumbling with her keys horror movie style to try to get in her car and turn it on and I'm like yeah suave Jordan so that could have gone either way so I understand why guys do this stuff the problem is you have to be really careful so if you're not sure then I would say it's better to be safe than sorry especially now because it's scary for guys now because back then you might have somebody say like Ew, you're gross. Get away from me. And that would have been now like the worst. Now they slap you with a lawsuit. Yeah. That would have been like the worst rejection and ever in the 90s. And you as like the assaulter. Well, yeah. that's the thing. So I had a, a coaching call the other day and somebody that I talked to was, not that it, he was letting that affect him. Obviously, it should be affecting him right yeah. now. But it really was stopping him from going out to bars. It was stopping him from interacting with Oof. women. So, so how, that's the thing. We've talked about it on our show before. Like where is that fine line? You have yeah. to follow your own moral compass with that. And typically if you think that, you know, you're on a good path with your moral comp- compass, 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 then you should be fine doing whatever it is that you want yeah. to do. But like now, yeah, where where is that fine line? Can you go to yeah. a retail store and say, um, into you, I want to go out with you? You can. Yeah, you can. And honestly, I feel like you just have to be really sensitive to the the no or the um I'm not sure or this isn't like if you get even slightly rejected now, you really have to to, clean, like, okay, to lean done. off. Yeah. I right, totally get it. And it sucks because I re- normally I would be like, nah, you know, all right, but you have to now because l- the law will bend you over and smack you, or not the law. Some jury of random people will dis- social justice warriors will be like, you're, you're, a you're, sick you're a sick person. You're doing inappropriate things in workplaces and you should be fired from the university from your teaching job or whatever because you made someone feel uncomfortable once by doing something that is debatably totally fine. Mm-hmm. So you have to be really careful now as a guy and as, as anyone you have to be, but especially as a man. And it's, it's a bummer, but I get it. So it's better to be safe than sorry. The good news is that if you are interested in someone and you say, hey, we should do something sometime. And they're like, yeah, great. You're probably fine. And if they're like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm at work. This isn't really appropriate. You can go, oh, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I wasn't thinking clearly. And then you just and then you bug leave. off. Yeah. Because that's your rejection. That's right. your rejection. Yeah. Anytime yeah. where she's like, eh, I have to check my calendar. Maybe my, my grandmother's going to be in next weekend. Like, yeah. That's a no. Yeah. That's an absolute no for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you can even say something like, all right, well, it was good meeting you. And if you change your mind, like, yeah, or, hopefully, or I'll, see hopefully, you out hopefully again. I'll see you around. We'll yeah. dance on the dance floor again and have a blast next yeah. time. See yeah. ya. No big deal. My name's Jordan. Sorry about that. Like, you know, you can go, you can go for that. It's really totally fine. The, the problem is when people are unreasonable about it. And if you pursue a little too much now, it's like, problematic. It's actually problematic for guys and, and gals yeah. because now- Gals, you are 38. Yeah, I'm 38. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a problem for men and women because yeah. now guys will say, hey, we should do something sometime. And she's like, crap, I'm at work. If I say yes, my manager's going to get me in trouble, but I don't want to say my manager's going to get me in trouble because my manager's right there. So they have to be like, oh, um, I don't know. Maybe I'll talk to you another time. And the guy's like, damn it. And then you see her a month later and she's like, oh, I totally wanted to hang out, but my manager is going to fire me because you fired Angela for talking to a guy. Right. For so like maybe two the seconds. best route to go is Facebook Face- or through a friend. Yeah. And yeah, through a friend is great. Through a friend is really good because 
you're well, that's the so, best way to meet people. It is the best way to meet people. And you're so unlikely to get in trouble for that because your friend's going to go, hold on. Well, your friend's going to finesse it for you yeah. and give you the inside scoop on what's going on with her. Right. So that's better. So she can say she's not into you. Yeah, she's not into you. Yeah. Look. Yeah, so she you know, can save face for you. Exactly. Or she can soften the blow. In or the she's not single. She's just really friendly. She gets in trouble all the time because she seems like she's flirting, but she's just right. really nice. Yeah. So may, I can see if she's interested in you, but chances are she's just she's pretty not. and she's nice, so she's not, you yeah, know. Yeah, but I have this other friend to hook you up with. Yeah. Like, well, if you like skinny blondes, then everyone does. <laughs> then no. you like Lisa. Yeah. Hey, guys. The last three women I've dated have disclosed heavy personal things on our first dates. Mm. One told me her dad dealt drugs while she was growing up. Another said her dad committed suicide when she was two. And the other said she was molested when she was a kid. I'm doing everything I know to do on a date, asking them questions about themselves, uh, supporting emotional bids, and sharing my opinions in terms of emotion. I don't have anything against women uh, who have these types of experiences in their past, but I'm not 100% sure, not even 100% sure I'm interested in pursuing a relationship and they're telling me their deepest, darkest secrets. I don't know what their motivations are for telling me and I'm nervous they might be leaning on me like they would a friend. What does it mean that these women feel comfortable telling me such personal things and what might I be doing wrong or is this a good sign? Big and loyal virtual Christian Carney friend, Jesse H. Do so you, yes. Do you think it's good that they're sharing this information? I, th- I, I would say depending on what age group this is. Yeah. Why? What do you think about that? Um, because I think that, well, no matter what, it's good if a woman is opening up to you and trusting you in some mm. way. It's it's how you handle that information afterwards if you keep going into this not sad story sad story exchange i guess i can call it um, yeah. it can put negative a negative rapport. spin on your date but i would say that if this is happening with women who are 28 plus this is actually a good thing yeah. because i i would say a lot of these women it may have been a negative for them in the past and they want to see if a guy can handle that information totally. about themselves um so they're tossing it out Number one, because you're asking the right questions and being responsive and listening, which means that they can trust you and they're comfortable enough to yes, share that information. He's good at rapport. Yeah, that's, that's what, what that it means. sounds like. Yeah. And they're also throwing it out there to say, can you handle this is me? Yeah. This is who I am right now. Can you handle this? I don't see it as a negative thing. I don't either. I see it as he's good at rapport. They they they're screening him for long term relationship sex. Yes. Yeah. Because because if they weren't interested in him, they would be, be like, I'm not going to go down this weird road with you. I'm or or whatever. So they're clearly interested, and they like you said, they want to see is he going to go like, oh man, she's damaged goods, bro. Never calling her again. Yeah. So. That's what's happening, but you're right. You don't want to get into a spiral of what we would, I would say, negative rapport, where it's like, um, you're just hey, ex- exchanging stories about sad things that happen in your life. It's not like you don't walk away feeling, oh, that was like a great. Con-. Well, you can still walk away thinking that was a great connection with that yeah. person. It's just it puts like a damper on your interaction with that person. It does, and sometimes they can associate this stuff with you. So you have to be careful. Like you don't want if they're sharing that with you and you're at a restaurant or a bar or something, that's fine. But if you're if it's at the point where like she's crying and you're her therapist, yeah. it's not gonna work well for you. You're gonna end up with like you're gonna end up with a problem. Yes. In that you're not gonna be interesting to her because she might even feel like, oh crap, I was way too open and vulnerable. I can't deal with this person. Yeah. There in fact, this happens online a lot where people will chat too much online. And whenever I tell people right, about and online they go dating, out in person and it sucks. And it sucks. Or they they get in such deep rapport online that the woman's like, I can never meet up with you now because I told you about my childhood and da da da. So you're at this level where they're like, it's only gonna be disappointing. Or 
I'm only going to be embarrassed because I've opened up way too much. And right. those are both bad. So I would never do this online, but he's in person. I would take it as a good sign. Yeah. Especially- How do you steer it away from that conversation? Like, how do you go from, oh, I was molested when I was five years old. And yeah. Did, Let's go dance on the dance floor. Like, how do you make sure that you're 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 adding different angles to your date so it's not constantly right. in that mode? So you can say- First of all, you have to accept that from them. You can't just radically change the subject. You have to accept whatever it was that she said. So you have to go, you have to say something like, wow, that must have been really awful for you. Awful for you. Um, I would, of course, I'm open to you sharing more about that. Maybe another time as well. We can do it now if you want, but I don't want, the, I don't want you to ha- feel like you have to go down that road and I don't want to pry too much. And they might be like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't want to bore you with that. And you're like, no, 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 I'm, you're not boring me at all. I'm glad that you told me about that. But I don't want, I also don't want you to feel like you have to tell me about that stuff right now or that you, you know, that I, I'm judging you or something like that. So it's up to you. And then leave it up to her and say, look, um, we can either keep talking about it now or we can go and get some food or a drink and we can continue this conversation another time. See, I will be honest with you. As a woman, if I did reveal that information to somebody, mm-hmm. I would take that as a straight rejection. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay, because I, I would say you, you should... I like you what you were trying to, to say. Yeah. But so I, I would even say like, oh my, thank you. Thank you for sharing that with me. Like that, it makes me feel closer to you, to be yeah. honest. Um, and then sort of like wrap it up in a bow, but say, you know what? That crappy thing happened to you in the past. I've had crappy things happen to me in the past as well. And I definitely, as we get to know each other, I want to share more of that with you. But for now, let's say, fuck it. And we're going to go have fun. Like yeah, something I mean, like I, that. I like that. I feel like that was similar to what I was saying before, but <laughs> but I also- It was similar, but there was something that was basically saying like, if you want to share it, you can. Oh, I see what you mean. No, no, no. I th- Okay. So maybe I misspoke. I think you, you can open the, leave the door open for them to share, yeah. but you're right. I- you want to steer it. You you do want to put a bow on it, like you said. But, but- your response was a typical male response. My, my husband does that to me all the time. Last night, I was talking about something, uh-huh. and then I said, I can tell you're not really engaged in this conversation. Oh, yeah, and he's no, like, no, yeah. oh, he's like, well, if you want to keep talking about it, we can, and uh, I'll listen, no. which for me is like, shut the fuck up. That, yeah, even yeah. though it's not what he's saying, right, but right. right away, it's like, oh. Yeah, I think what I'm trying to convey is very similar to what you mean. It, it's just that instead of encouraging someone to continue doing that at a bar where it's not really totally yeah. appropriate. You can say like, hey, I'd love to talk more about this and I'm, I'm, I do feel I closer to you. Um, but if the person continues to do that, you're going to end up in a situation yeah. where you're her therapist or she's like, because wow, this Because then she just needs to terrible. dump information. If she continues to talk yeah. after you state that, she just needs to get all that out. And she's still dealing with her own issues. Yes. Which is not a negative thing. It's not going to be a good day. it's not going to be a good thing for you. And if you end up with, if you're really good at rapport, and I, I was... I'm also really good at getting people to open up. I'm a talk show host. I would do the Jordan Harbinger show, get people to tell me things they never talked about before. Right. The problem is if you do that on dates too soon and people open up, they can go, we call it like buyer's remorse where they're just like, oh my I God, I, I cannot believe stuff. I just told you all this stuff. But, but also on problem. the plus side, what happens, and I have this happen too, is people are like, oh my God, I feel so close to that yes. person. And you're like, everybody does this for me. So yep, pretty much. it's not that interesting yep. for me. So you have to find another spin that helps both of you have that connection and not just the girl having that connection. Yeah. Where she's being able to emotionally dump, which right. maybe she's not able to do on other dates if she's had these negative things happen for her. Um, but as we were saying before, to steer it away from that type of negative rapport. Yeah, you you have to see, you have to steer it away, and you have to end the date on a high note, or or not end the date on a high note, but do something that is that is going to leave with like a good connection 
and it was really fun. You don't want the night to end with, well, guess we talked about my molestation for the last hour and a half. I'm going to go home now. Call me. It's like, nope. That's yeah. not going to work for you. Exactly. You're not yeah. walking away with a wonderful feeling. No. Anyway, if you, I hate and things like speaking that. Anyway, on speaking on ending. I know that you have to be out of here, so that's why I'm trying to wrap it up for you. But this was a wonderful show. I'm glad that you stuck around and answered some questions with me. If anybody wants to write in questions, write them in to ask at askwomenpodcast.com. Again, you can listen to Jordan Harbinger on the new Jordan Harbinger show, which is getting rave reviews apparently. Yes. And kicking ass and you won't even be thinking about AOC very soon. That's right. No, this thing show of the past for you. Thing of the past. And it's great because I get to continue educating people, helping people, giving advice on Feedback Friday. Yeah. But it's all me and my team now. No more drama. Wonderful. Yes. And make sure that you never have a partner again. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yes. Anyway, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for supporting our show and being wonderful listeners. We will see you next week. Bye.